Welcome to the Stewardship Matters podcast with William F. Robertson and Associates, where we explore where your faith and your finances intersect. As financial planners, we understand the importance of money. As Christians, we believe God has more for us. Please join your host, Richard Truitt, as we continue on this journey together. Solidarity is the subject of this uh, podcast. It's the sixth prod- podcast of the uh, of our Sabbath economics series, and I have Bill Robertson again here with me today, is, and we'll attempt to navigate this practice. You know, of the seven, let me recap. There's uh, what the seven are. There's there's surplus as investments. There's negative capital or debt, uh, giving, environmental or green living, consumption, the solidarity we'll talk about today, and then the Sabbath. The, but of, of those seven, probably solidarity affected me the most because, frankly, I have not done it. I have spent little to no time with people outside of my own social group. Dallas Willard, I like to quote that he said, he said that giving is only a part and by no means the largest part of stewardship before the Lord. I guess I always thought, or I always thought of volunteering as, as kind of being a part of giving. In other words, if I guess if I gave enough money, I would need to volunteer. If I volunteered more, I would need to give more money. But that's not really what I think Willard is saying. I don't think that's really the the, the key to take away from this practice of, of Sabbath economics, the solidarity practice. I uh, I think it's more of seeing the world from the space of the poor, and I, it has two ways of of looking at it. The first one is we all want to be effective in our giving, but uh, the the World Bank did a study and what the poor needed, and fifty percent. Uh, their responses were more psychological than material. I think we just mainly just throw money at a problem rather than than getting to know people, being more relational and knowing what's, what's going on. And so there, I have lots of examples of where the West has given money and that really wasn't what was needed and having a more relational uh type of impact would would be more uh you would know more of what what they needed the second way of looking at solidarity and that's where i hope to bring in uh bill i think it's more important that than the, than the fraud in that we need to know what the quote-unquote space occupied by the poor what the what the what the world looks like from their their stance uh, you know, we have a tendency to think that the poor, what they need is for us to fix them. If we just tell them how to live, how to spend their money, they'd be, they'd be so much better. But, but really, we need to come alongside them, realize that we're all children of God, and hopefully we begin to realize, the, 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 as, as the church has said for, for centuries, God's preferential option for the poor. Why does he have that option? And Bill, you had um, come across something in a, in, a, in a book about you know one of the things that the, the, 
the advantages. I don't know if they say advantage of being poor, but what they have to teach us. Right. Well, you know, that's one of those things that I think I've shared with you my experience, and I've also shared with you how awkward I am in this area of solidarity. Um, early on in my Christian experience, I had, a, I had, I really tried to work with some people in a mission setting. And what happened was we were doing Bible study, and I did it for about seven or eight weeks. And uh, as I was with them one evening, what happened was is I felt kind of a spirit of fear come upon me. And I, I didn't know what to equate it to. But what I found out was that I was really saying, look, at these people are really not a lot different uh, than I am. And that it's very, very possible that I could be in the same place that they're in. And it wasn't a rational type of thing, but it was just kind of an emotional response. And as a result, I stopped doing it. So it was during the meeting that you had this fear? Yes. Okay. Yes. And thus, I've had a, a real difficult time entering back into that space. I know like all families that we have gone to places and helped on Thanksgiving and we've done things like that, <clears throat> but I've never really uh, felt comfortable. And it's one of those things that I realize that um, solidarity actually is kind of defined as an intentional connection to the poor and the marginalized, and other, an intentional connection where you actually try to uh, enter into that world. And what you're talking about is, and I know Mother Teresa was an example of this, she always felt that she received more than she actually, actually gave. And it's one of these things that you begin to realize that the poor have a different view of the world that can really redefine the way we see the world. Some of the things I think that the poor, they know that they're in urgent need of redemption. Uh, we don't have that sense. No. We, we really feel self-sufficient. Um, the poor know that not only is there dependence on God, uh, but sometimes it's dependent on powerful people, you know, who we may appear to be, uh, but also their interdependence with one another is emphasized in that particular way. And we're so, so much want to be secure or set by our own efforts that it's hard for us yes, to in other words, realize we're not. Yeah, security is something that we um, really strive for. Uh, when in reality, uh, St. Francis of Assisi said he, he strove for insecurity more than security because insecurity draws you closer to God and you begin to understand your need and your interdependence. And I think this is probably illustrated um, by the poor. The, the poor rest their security not on things but on people. So thus they're, they're closer to each other, where a lot of our security is found in things and not in people. So the poor have this, they know they depend on, yeah. have to depend Whether on Whether they like it or not. That's yes. exactly right. And the, uh, the poor have no exaggerated sense, I guess, of their own importance. Um, 
And uh, the other thing is, which is interesting, uh, no exaggerated need for privacy. That yeah. is. That's just surprising when you tell me that, yes. Yeah. Uh, it's one of, one of those things that we get all caught up in keeping everything private, and we don't want to talk. And once again, their life is uh, right out there. Uh, the other thing that's the poor seems to, seem to teach is, is that uh, they expect little from competition and much from cooperating with each other. That's because they—that's the way they survive. That's, that's exactly right. And so it's—it's—it's—they've surrendered, not by choice, but they have surrendered. And yeah, because necessity has you know brought that uh, that about. And the other thing is, is I think that you find the fears of the poor are more realistic and less exaggerated. Uh, because they already know that one can survive great suffering and want. So they've been through it. A lot of us, uh, most of our fears are imaginary. Yeah, we, we, yes. we haven't experienced it. That, they have experienced. And the other thing is, is that when the gospel is taken to the poor, it really sounds like good news and it's not a threat or it's not scolding. In other words, it's... Whereas I'm so scared of losing my security of my own efforts, right. you're saying since they already have, right? And so they, it's yeah, not the yeah. end of the world. Yeah, yes. So I sit here in the comfort of this conference room, but nonetheless, uh, to really understand those things, you have to have this desire to intentionally identify with the poor and okay. uh, which with the marginalized. The the other thing is is that in my attempts when I've tried to do this, I think I've done it in my own, my own strength. In other words, one of the things about uh, you know intentionally doing this is I think it does require prayer, and I think it does this uh, you know require God's direction. And there probably are things that He would lead you into that you more likely would feel a calling to than if you just decided to start indiscriminately, uh, you know, immersing yourself in right. working with the poor. And I know Willard also, you know, I quote Willard a lot, this talk, but he said that, you know, it could be as easy as, as riding the bus. Um, I guess you need to be intentional stepping out there. That, that, that first step, I guess, is, right. is but, but you really need, you're saying, to, for God to guide you once you start into the area, yeah. And as we were discussing, um, you know, on, on another subject, the thing that I, I find out is, is that in order to bring kind of unity and totality to these things that we're discussing, uh, it's almost like you almost have to have some sense uh, of your own neediness so that that sense of neediness guide you in these other areas, like the areas of uh, consumption and uh, those, those areas that you're trying to integrate into your life. It's like it really is uh, necessary to have the exposure to the poor and the marginalized, uh, not only to have a sense of gratitude for God, but also a sense that he has purposes and reasons uh, for you to enter in with the resources that you have. So, yeah, that's it's a lot to, to take in. Yes. Um, 
but I mean, it is what 95, 97, 98 percent of the world's population, and we don't know how they live. So, from a purely secular survival standpoint, it makes sense for us to to, to know what that means. But also, you know, from a from a spiritual standpoint, it, 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 again, as I said, it's convicted me more than in the other seven that it seems like there's something that's really, really lacking in my life. And I'm not real sure how to, how to fill that. Right. Well, once again, uh, I, I, I admit to that also, and I think it does require a prayer mm-hmm. and a conscious uh, uh, desire to look at the situation and see if there is a place that you're called to. Okay. And I guess that's a... Um, cop out to say I don't feel called to any of this and I, and I don't it's scare, it scares me to death just like you said the fear came over you uh, I ain't even stepped out and so um, but it, it's something that I want to do yeah yeah. and so um, you know I have the common saying when I used to do pro bono financial work more of a debt restructuring type work I, I was fond of saying, you know, I don't understand how people can live on a couple dollars a day, but here in the U.S., it takes you know well over a hundred dollars a day. I, my my number, which I was pulled out of the air, was fifty thousand dollars a year. If you're below that, it's really really tough. And I know a lot of that is our culture. The, the cost of living is higher here, and and also the culture. But also, we don't really know what that means to, to, to live like that. So that's where I think this area might be really, really helpful. But, you know, I think they have a, the poor, and well, we, we say the poor a lot, I guess, in, the, in this deal, but there really is no poor. It's, it's the people who are poor. And to, to intentionally reach out to those people, to, to, to rub shoulders with them, could so much inform our lives that it really really like I said it really has convicted me I have a lot to learn I hope that we can learn together and I hope that this podcast has uh, been been worth your time thank you thank you for listening to another stewardship matters podcast of William F. Robertson and Associates to pursue this discussion further please look to the resources on our website www.wfrplanning.com. Our contact information can be found on the website, and we would love to hear from you. Securities offered through Genios Wealth Management Incorporated, member of FINRA and SIPC. Advisory service offered through Genios Wealth Management Incorporated.